Am I good? Am, is the video getting me? Because we got to say hello to all those in Facebook land, all those that are joining us online, and especially you men and women over at the Tuscarawas County Jail Campus. You're part of our church family. We're so glad you're here. Come on, church. Welcome them in. Love you guys. Love you. All right. So um, we, we got a lot going on. We got a lot going on. You're just going to have to deal with it. Uh, we got a lot going on here. Last week was Connect Sunday, so uh, go ahead. Uh, if you haven't joined a Connect group, you need to be in a Connect group. Not like you should be in a Connect group. That's a good thing if you're in a, No, you need to be in a Connect group. And they're blasting in the summer. Summertime is uh, all about... I'm not even moving. Like, I haven't even started my, like, dance moves. I got... Is it even me? Testing one, two, testing... I, it's not even me. Somebody else is messing with us. It's... It's the devil. He's trying to stop me from preaching. Come on. Somebody better start praying right now. Come on. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, we are, uh, so we, uh, so last week was Connect Sunday. Now coming up this Saturday is one of the biggest days of our, of our church. Because here, here's what it is. We get to showcase all at once who we are as a church. We are an outward focused church. So next Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, J- uh, July 13th, we're going to be doing our serve day. And we've got a couple of uh, places that we've already got late, mm-hmm, uh, lined up that is on the back. I can't use that. I don't preach like the, I don't preach good when I got that thing. Jesus name. Keep it away. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, by the way, I'm Josh. If you're new here, I am the pastor. Uh, <laughs> this is good as it gets. So uh, anyways, on the back there is a list of uh, the ones that we have nailed down. Here's what we're going to do. We know that we can create some more, uh, more places for us to serve. So uh, after the service, you can go out in the lobby. Pastor Corey is going to be out there to uh, get you all signed up. And when you sign up, you're going to get your t-shirt. So when you get your t-shirt, uh, then that will make you official. Now here, listen, listen very carefully. This is, this is the pastor speaking, okay? If you take a t-shirt and you're not planning to serve, you will go directly to hell. You will not pass go. You will not collect $200. You will go to, I'm joking. It's not true. It's, life is not a monopoly game. But, uh, but you, uh, d- yeah, if, that's for our serve team. So get your serve team, uh, serve team shirt. Uh, sign up for uh, one of those. There's some descriptions on here. If you want more details, uh, we can. And also, if you're like, hey, uh, none of these work for me. I'd like to do this one. And you want to lead a project? We will equip you to lead a project. We, we're, uh, so that's, that's coming up. Sign up. Get ready. And, uh, and here we go. So. All that being said, let's, let's jump in because I'm ready to preach. Um, this is, so we, in the summertime, we do, uh, we do series here at Authentic Church. Uh, so we always, uh, typically we do a topic or we'll go through a book of the Bible. Uh, last series we were doing the letter, uh, letters to leaders. So we went through the letters that Paul wrote to the church and to leaders. And uh, so we, that's typically what we do. But in the summer, it's not really a series. It's more of a, it's kind of a season. Because you're here and I love, seriously, like you don't know how, like, Good, I feel right now looking out and seeing every seat full, and we're pulling out more chairs. Uh, I love you guys. I hate this mic right now. Uh, you won't have to pray for me because you're about to see a pastor cuss at a mic, uh, and that won't be good uh, <laughs> at all. All the church folks gonna be leaving. Uh, that's all right. You all can leave anyways. This isn't your place. I promise. Uh, <laughs> again, this is as good as it gets. Um, 
so uh, what was I talking about? Oh, we do seasons. Uh, we do seasons. Uh, well, we do series. This is a season. And so last week, Pastor Corey jumped into the topic of relationships and how you need to be in one. Uh, today, I, I actually debated, and this is, you guys, I hope you laugh. Um, I was like, what do I name, like, you know, you give a title to your message. And at the top of the notes, I, I put the title, and it's called Your Story. But I, I didn't really want to, to call it that. I wanted to call it WTF. Uh, will, yeah, go ahead, chuckle. Willing to fail. Willing to fail. Uh, now, the reason I didn't call it that is because I actually think I'm going to do a series in the fall called WTF. So just, I mean, seriously, how easy is it to invite your friends that don't like church to come to church when the name of the series is WTF? Uh, so bring your friend. Uh, we're going to get ready for that. But this series, uh, is this, this message, <laughs> I'm so sorry. If, <laughs> Well, if you, uh, uh, so this message, this gets, this jump in because this message is, uh, I want to talk about, uh, the fact that we as followers of Christ many times are risk avoidant. Like we, God calls us into big things and we're like, well, that's too risky. I, I don't have enough savings set up. I don't have, I don't have my family going yet. I don't have the, I, once I get here, then I'll be willing to take that step. And, and God calls us to take some risk. And so uh, I want to look at a, um, a book in the Bible uh, that's written about a young lady uh, whose name is Hadassah. Now, most of you, as soon as I say that, you're like, oh, yeah, we've heard that story over and over again. I remember hearing that in Sunday school, and that's why so many little girls are named Hadassah, uh, right? Um, maybe if I connect it and tell you that it's in the book of Esther, that her name, what we know best is Esther. And Esther chapter 1, verse 1, uh, begins like this. And so it begins this way. It says, These events happened in the days of King Xerxes, who reigned over 127 provinces, stretching from India to Ethiopia. At that time, Xerxes ruled his empire from his royal throne at the fortress of Susa. Now, I think it's important that we grab the, and, and this is if you are part of our church family, you've heard me say this, you grab the context here. So as immediately as he begins this letter, whoever, or this book, uh, whoever the author is, we don't really know for sure who the author is, but we know that who it's talking about. The main character is who? Esther. That's, that's named after her. Wouldn't it be cool to have a book named after you? Like, there's a book in the Bible called Joshua, but it's not about me. How cool would it be, though, to have a book named after you? Like, you, your life was such a good illustration of following Jesus Christ, ups and downs and ins and outs, that the book was actually named after you. I mean, come on, the book of JD. It, it's still in the process. And we, we, uh, the, I mean, the book of Kenny. I mean, how cool would that be to have the book uh, like after your name? It would be like, that would be some of the coolest things that you could imagine, is that my, my life, my story is part of a, of a book. In the Bible. And this, though, it's interesting, doesn't start off with Esther. It starts off with Xerxes, or Xerxes, or whatever you want to call him. I like that. I, I, get, I get the mic. I get to use the terminology, so deal with it. Xerxes. Uh, and so here he is. And so who, who's this guy that is reigning in this empire? Now, he, it says he's over 127 provinces. This is a big area that he's rolling over. So let's go look at where, what this is. He is... Uh, the Babylonian Empire has now been replaced by the, uh, the, uh, the Syrian armies. They come in the, uh, and they're taking over. 
and they're reigning over the place that the, the Israelites have been already removed from Jerusalem. They've already been taken out of Jerusalem. They're exiles. They've been spread out. They're being slaves throughout uh, the uh, empire. And so here we have Xerxes, who's in charge. He's a bad dude, not a nice guy. Uh, in fact, you, many of you, how many of you have watched 300? You've watched 300? Now you've been introduced to Xerxes. Here he is in the movie. There he is. Now he's the antagonist in 300 because he's the one who's always going against the Greeks. And it's 300 is about the, the big dudes, the Greeks. I, I showed this picture in the first service and a bunch of girls went, ah, I don't know why. It's, it's, it's all edited. He does not have that six pack. Okay. Uh, Come on, somebody. Uh, so he, he's the antagonist. Now, what's interesting is the author of 300, uh, Frank, I think his name is Frank Miller, uh, actually took the, the character, uh, Xerxes, and from a play that was written at the same time that Xerxes was still living. In 400, 472, uh, there was, was a play written and described Xerxes in, in, as a, a effeminate, an unmanly man, but who was a tyrant. He uh, was one who did disgusting things to people. Uh, he was self-indulgent, all about himself. In fact, in the play, uh, he says uh, the Xerxes is being talked about by his mom and dad. And it says this, Xerxes' excessive pride caused him to believe that he could enslave even the gods. I mean, he is all about him. So in, when you enter the story of Esther, you have to understand there's a story already being played out. And it's not a story that you want to be a part of. It's a, it's a tyrannical time. It's a time where people are being enslaved, they're being abused, they're being killed. And you're going to see that this continues on in the story of Esther. And, and I, that, when you hear that word story, it's, it's actually one of my, my favorite terms. Uh, a couple years ago, we, we made a trip to Nicaragua, the first trip to Nicaragua. And here, here's a picture that our international serve team coordinator, uh, Jeff Bray, took. Uh, that, that's actually me right here. And he put on there, we're climbing uh, Cerro Negro, which is a volcano, an active volcano in Nicaragua. And uh, he put the quote there, your life should be a story you're excited to tell. And I mean, it, it hit like as we were there. And it was pretty cool because we climbed Sierra Negro uh, and you get to the top and then you have, you're carrying a, a board with you and you get to the top and then you put the board down and you slide down the other side of an active volcano. It's pretty cool. It didn't really change my life all that much because it was um, for me. But what happened there in Nicaragua has been amazing. The story that has come out of that, that place is, is, is unbelievable. I mean, we, we're, this church, like when you look around, you're like, yeah, we're doing cool things. It's awesome to serve Tuscarawas County. And it is. It's amazing. This is where we're, we're called to Tuscarawas County. This is our central location where we're supposed to be serving God from. But we've got a chance to impact the world. And, and here we are. We've bought this church. Uh, was part of a team that bought uh, nine acres of land. That nine acres now has a school on it. It's serving special needs students. It's ha- got a, uh, they have a sewing place there where they're making uh, fabric, which here pretty soon we're going to be able to buy, you'll be able to buy pieces of uh, things that are there from there. And it, it, God's been doing crazy things from there. In fact, uh, we just, uh, uh, one of our young ladies uh, is, uh, just got back from uh, serving down there. She was down there for two weeks. Uh, our, another, Cameron Henry is down there. She's been, how, how long is she going to be down there? Two months. She's serving the school down there. So this is part of our story. It's, it's amazing. 
But so many times we get caught up in, in a solo picture like this, where our story is just, it's about me, my story. It's, it's, it's my story. And it's a, it's a solo story. And what we have to understand, actually, I got to, I love illustrations. Um, I think, did Corey talk to you guys? Did he recruit you? Come on up, come on up. Give him a hand. Come on. So, so here's what happens. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, we'll start with you. You can, you, hold on. We're, we're going to get to you in a second. What we think is, is that our life is a story. That our, we have this story that is, is connected to things and we, we, we have a, a linear story that we're trying to, to tell. And it's a, it's a pretty cool story and we're living it out. And, and what it happens is we get focused on our story. And it's natural. It's called, it, it, I mean, when it's solely focused, it's called narcissism or singleness. <laughs> Especially, you can call it single millennialism. It's all about me and my story, and, and that's okay. That's that's the way we're, we we like we live our lives. And our parents tell us, you know, you need to go find yourself, be yourself, do yourself, all that stuff. That last phrase is probably not the best, but anyways, um, you go you go and you actively seek a story that you want to tell about yourself. That you will live a story that you're excited to tell. But something happens. You end up getting married. Come on. You, can you move back this way just a little bit? And what happens is, here's what we think happens. We think that when we get married, that they're going to join your story. But what really happens is that they're not joining your story. They have their own story. Sorry. It's just to keep you all awake. Ready? Okay. You, you are not... A, uh, you're not jo- they're not joining your story. They have their own story. And they think you're joining their story. But neither of which is really the case. You are, in fact, weaving a story that's together because marriage means that their story is now important than your story. And what happens is you get a better story. So hold on to that end. You hold on to piece there. So now we have a story that is is being told, and it, it's pretty neat. It's, it's a cool, cool thing. But something really crazy happens. You have children, and you find out that there are people who are more selfish than you. Um, and, and so, uh, Bree, come here. You're going to be my illustration. Of course, you're not a selfish young lady. You're a wonderful child, and I love you dearly. Um, but you're going to represent the child in this relationship. And what happens is... is <laughs> Your story ends up getting intertwined with other people's stories. And you're supposed to be living out your life seeking to make their story great. That's the coolest part about being a parent, isn't it? When you see your child do great things. There's just something about that. That as a father, I love seeing my child succeed. It's there When they succeed, I succeed, right? But that's now your story is intertwined with somebody else's story. But God didn't create us just to be just a single family unit. He called us to be in community. That's what Pastor Corey talked about all last week, is being in community. So um, uh, somebody, uh, Corey, come on. You, you preached it last week. Come on, represent it. So Corey is now, he's going to represent the church. You're supposed to be part of a church body. That's what, in fact, Paul said, that you are part of a body of Christ. And you're supposed to be intertwining your story everybody else's story. This is cool, isn't it? 
But it also doesn't just stop there. We got um, uh, Tom, come on up. You're going to be used. You sat on the front row. So not only are you in the spray zone, you are in the volunteer zone. Uh, so we got all these things going on. But also, it doesn't mean we just hang out with just our crew, right? We need to be part of our community. That's what the survey is all about, is we're trying to communicate. Hey, we're part of something bigger than just us. And that's where we get our community. Uh, JD, come on. You're going to represent community. Should have been taking notes. See, I didn't pick Taylor because she's taking notes. She loves Jesus. Um, or at least she's pretending to take notes. Um, uh, so we have this, this where we, our story is intertwined with our community. We're playing baseball. We're in sports. We're active. We're serving and loving our community. And it's so cool because what once was just a single story now becomes something so much greater. But here is what we need to understand. Your story is not just your story. Your story is not just your story, because your story is so intertwined with others that when you do something, it doesn't just impact you. Corey, move the church. See what happens? It doesn't just move the church, it moves everybody else's. If, 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 a, if a father says, hey, I'm going down a certain path, and I'm making a decision, and I'm going to go a certain way, what happens? When you move your string, it doesn't just move his string, it's impacting everybody, everybody else's. Your story is not just your story. And we understand that we're, we're part of something that's so much bigger and so much grander than just us. And it's, it's a beautiful thing, but also it's, it can be a positive thing. Like when the church does something good in the community and begins to celebrate, it shows the, the world our God and how great he is, and it impacts them. But the same thing happens when a leader in the church, when the pastor or somebody struggles and disappoints and fail, fails, it doesn't just impact him. It impacts his family. It impacts the church. It impacts the community. So when you understand it's both positive and negative, every move we make and the story we tell isn't just something we should be excited to tell. It's something that we need to know that's impacting others. Let's give these guys a hand. You guys can drop it right where they are. Thanks, guys. So this is what happens in the story that we're looking at is that we have to, we see Esther, and we, we had to understand that we need to be willing to lay down our story to make a better, greater story. And, and in the story of, of Esther, we were introduced to this story that is going on, and, and we were introduced to Xerxes, who's, who's the leader. He, there's a story going on, and it's not a story that we want to be a part of. He's evil, he's corrupt, he's manipulative. And in this story, uh, we have another character that we're introduced in the first chapter. Her name's Vashti. Vashti is King Xerxes' wife. And she must have been a looker because he liked showing her off. So in the first chapter, they have the, what's going on is uh, King Xerxes is having, having a party. I don't know. I didn't do that, okay? I'm not, uh, King Xerxes is having a party. He's, doing, he's, uh, he's got the man cave going. They've got, I mean, they're, they got the keg. They're doing, they're chugging, chug, 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 chug. They're doing the upside down stuff. They're doing, uh, they're doing beer pong. It's going crazy, okay? Not that I would know what any of that is, okay? Uh, <laughs> we, we have, uh, we, we have, it's going on. It's going, it's crazy. And then in the other part of the palace, Vashti is having her party. 
And they're having, it's all going crazy, and they're, they're having a blast, and they're doing whatever. I mean, I don't know what happens at a girl's party. I, I mean, they're, on, they're shopping online. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> whatever they're doing at a girl party. Uh, they're getting their nails done. They're, I mean, it's, they're just sipping wine and painting. Is that, is that, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been invited to any, so uh, <laughs> please don't invite me. Uh, but... <laughs> But there they are, they're having, they're, they're having their two parties, and uh, King Xerxes says, you know what, I want to show off my wife. Bring her on, he sends his eunuchs to say, hey, bring her over here, and, and I tell her I want, I want, her, I want to show her off. And, and she sends back, nope, twice. The most powerful man on the earth says to his wife, come, I want to show you off to my boys. And she says, no. In thousands of years, marriage hasn't changed much. <laughs> and, and here we, we are. We have this, this man, the most powerful man. And, and, and you see in, in Esther chapter 1, it says, uh, they, they go into, he's like, he gets his feelings hurt. He's like, I can't believe my wife wouldn't listen to me. What are we going to do? And in verse 15, it says that uh, we must, uh, what must be done to Queen Vashti, the king demanded. What penalty does the law provide for a queen who refuses to obey the king's orders? Properly sent through his eunuchs. Now, I properly, I sent a good email and I told her to get here. Okay. The text message was clear. I didn't, um, it was no text speech mess ups. I told her to be here. She didn't listen. And she says, uh, then one of his buddies comes up, Mimucan. Yeah, sure. Answered the king and his nobles. Queen Vashti has wronged not only the king, I love this, but also every noble and citizen throughout your empire. You women everywhere will begin to despise their husbands when they learn that, the queen Vashti, that Queen Vashti has refused to appear before the king. Keep going. Before this day is out, the wives of all the king's nobles throughout uh, Persia and... Yeah. How do, why, what is that word? Media? Uh, I didn't think it was... All right. And we'll hear that what the queen did and we'll start treating their husbands the same way. There will be no end to the, their corrupt... And, uh, to, to their contempt and anger. <laughs> they get worried. Hey, they're like, hey, hey, king, if your wife doesn't listen to you, what's going to happen when my wife finds out that she didn't listen to you? We're in trouble. Like, there's going to be a feminist movement. Here it is. We've got to nip it in the bud. <laughs> so, uh, so he says, all right, that's it. They get rid of Queen Vashti. They, they say, well, we don't know what happened to her. Uh, there's no, like, complete story on her. We don't know if he just said she's done or they put her in some big tower to be locked away till whatever. We, we just know she's, she's done. She, her story's removed from the history books. But the, the king's like, well, I, I, need, I, need, I need to replace her. So um, what, do I, what am I going to do? I, I need to get something to place her. In chapter two, you're introduced to the story of Esther because what he decides to do is they, they're going to go to each one of his provinces that he's conquered, and they're going to take girls from each one of them. And they'll take them as slaves and bring them to his, to his palace, and they're going to train them to be his wife. And whoever wins this, this situation would be the, his wife, his queen. And, and, and like we've painted this as like a pretty love story. This is not a love story. This is a tragedy. 
what's taking place here is they are, 127 women are taken into custody. In fact, that's exactly what in verse uh, 8 of chapter 2 it says, So it came about when the command of, and decree of the king were, uh, were heard, and many young ladies were gathered to the citadel in Susa into the custody of Haggai. They were brought in as, as slaves for the pleasure of a man. This is, the, this is what we would know as today as sex trafficking. They went and took women and said, you have a chance to be the queen. But it wasn't like, hey, you get to apply for the bachelor. These women were taken in and put into a position that they did not choose to be put into. And that, that's, that's the thing that you need to understand is that your story is one that is, is being told, is being wrapped up. It's not yours alone, but your story will have failure in it. Your story has failure. And in this situation, Esther has a lot of failure in her life. Up to this point, we're, we're introduced to her. We find out that she not only is an exile, which means her family has been brought in uh, to this land as slaves to be used as the ki- king decides he wants to use them. She is an orphan. Both her parents have died. And now she is... Not, I don't even know. She, uh, she now is not just a, uh, um, an orphan. She's now being put into custody to be trained up to see who is going to be the most competent of, of women. So she's given a choice. Am I, am I still coming through? Okay. So she's given a choice, and the choice is not a good one. She can either comply and yield and give up her beliefs and become a... Uh, un- to marry a man that she doesn't want to love and become his queen or she can fight the system and most likely be raped and killed it's her choices not good ones but in this context it's important and this is where if you were a hebrew reading this a jew reading this story for the first time you would also have in- a knowledge of what just took place just a few years earlier a few years earlier, there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were put into a similar situation. They were exiles, brought into a place, and they were told that they had to eat certain types of meat. And they had to then bow down before an idol, and they chose not to. And they're thrown into the fire furnace, but God saved them. Also, about that same time, Daniel would have put into a situation where he chose to pray three times a day. And the king said, you can't do that anymore. You, you can only pray to me. But Daniel said, I'm going to stand my ground and I'm going to pray to my God. And so they threw him into a lion's den and God saved him. So these are the stories leading up to Esther. And so Esther is put into a similar situation. I mean, it's, I don't want to make light of this at all. Because you need to understand, this is not just a girl going through a tough situation. This is a broken orphan. This is a girl who has her dreams have been crushed. Everything that she had ever hoped for has been dashed because she is now in the custody to do only what the king says she is to do and what his servants tell her to do. This girl has been has most likely been raped. This girl has been abused. This girl has been crushed. Her parents are gone. Everything that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong for this young lady. Then she chooses to yield her beliefs. It says in, the, in, in Esther that she chose to eat the meat that was given to her. She made a choice that 
yes, she was going to yield. And then she went ahead and put on the makeup that they provided her, and she became the queen to a Gentile, which to a Jew would have defiled her. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and here say, I'd have done any different. Because if it put in that situation, I'd have probably quit a lot earlier. But she made choices. And, and see, I think most of us can relate at some level to her brokenness. Because a, a lot of her brokenness was not her choice. Her story was yanked upon by someone else. Her story was jerked around and, and put into a place. And she was broken, she was crushed, and she was abused by no choice of her own. Her life was a failure because of what people had done to her. But also, she made choices that went against what she knew to be right. We too can kind of relate. Some of us have made choices that we now look back and like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Man, I'm carrying along the the scars of, of what I did then and the hurt that I caused others. And what, what I did was I knew it was wrong. And you have failure in your life because of it. Some of you have failure in your life and you look at what's going on in your life and you know it's not your fault, but you still have a level of guilt because of it. You feel like it's, it's, it's hurt you, it's broken you, and you had nothing to do with you. And so all of us at some level relate to Esther and her brokenness And just as soon as you think it couldn't get any worse, right? I mean, how much worse could it get for a young lady? She's been orphaned. She's been uh, put into uh, a situation where she's a slave and she's been raped. And now she's married to a man that doesn't love her, doesn't allow her to come to uh, to him until he calls for her. Then there's a man introduced to the story of Esther named Haman. Again, the strings of the story are pulled again. See, Haman was brought into the story because Haman uh, was, was a, a leader for King Xerxes. And, and so he uh, is in the position where he's got a lot of authority and he walks around showboating it. But there's a man who happens to be the cousin of Esther, Mordecai, who says, no, I'm not going to bow down to you. And it really makes Haman upset. So he decides, not only am I going to take out Mordecai, I'm going to take out every Jew that's ever lived ever in the Persian Empire. I'm going to destroy them all. So he goes and he goes to the king. And this is what he says to the king uh, in uh, chapter... uh, Go, keep Keep going. One more. Keep going. Sorry. Keep going. I jumped a bunch of this. Okay, back one more. It says, he says to the king, if it please the king, issue decree. Oh, go back one more. Sorry. Um, he said, then Haman approached the king Xerxes and said, there is a certain race of people scattered throughout all the provinces of your empire who keep themselves separate from everyone else. Who's that? The Jews. He says, their laws are different from those of any other people and they refuse to obey the laws of the king. So it, it is not the, in the king's interest to let them live. He's a good salesman. If it please the king, issue a decree that they be destroyed, and I will give 10,000 sacks of silver to the government administrators to be deposited in the royal treasury. Give me that mic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit. Switch me over. Test, test. He says, what he, what he does is say, I, I'm, I want so badly to get rid of Mordecai, that I'm willing to kill all of them and I'm going to pay for their execution. 
So he sets it up, and the king says, well, go ahead, uh, get it set up, and, and he issues the decree for them all to be, to be killed. You can imagine in this situation, the, 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 just the growth and the, the, I mean, how much more brokenness can a girl handle? Because she's a Jew. She hasn't told the king that she's a Jew, but she's a Jew. Mordecai comes to Esther, and one of the most dramatic calls to action, he says to her in chapter uh, 4, verse 13, he says, Mordecai, I sent a reply to Esther, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you escape when all other Jews are killed. They're going to get you too. If you keep quiet at a time like this, because she hasn't told anybody she's a Jew, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. He says, Esther, your story has an impact. And if you're quiet and you let your story die and you don't do anything about the situation and how it's impacting all the other people around you, God's going to raise somebody else up. God's story isn't going to change, but because you don't do something, your story will die and so those that are connected to you. I wonder how many times we think we... Our story doesn't really matter. Like if I just if I just chill and sit back and I don't really need to jump in all. And I, do I really need to go all in on this thing of following Jesus and and serving and and serving and, and risking what he's and risking what he's telling me to risk? What do I? I'll just sit back and I'll just I'll just watch and I don't want to get involved. When we do that, we make a choice that our story will not impact other stories. We think it's not going to impact, but in fact, when our story dies, it will cause other people's stories to die. He says, if you don't do anything, you're going to die, and those around you are going to die, but God will do something. I, I wonder sometimes, I, I, I'm, this isn't like, like fake humility. I wonder sometimes if God didn't call me to plan authentic church and be a part of this, because somebody else didn't. I really do think I'm plan B. I'm okay with that. But I'm wondering how many people missed out on having a relationship with God and walking in a life-giving relationship with the King of Kings because somebody didn't step in. And here's what he says, the last moment he says, he says, who knows? I don't know if you're in that position. To save everybody else. You don't know what's going to happen if you risk it. You don't know if you, if you go all in and, and, and do what God's called you, what you feel God's calling you to do. Who knows? Maybe you were made queen for just a time as this. Who knows? See, so many times we, we think, well, if I just had a better story, then I'd do my story. And God's going, if you just use your story, your story would become way better. If you just use the story you already have and the position you're in and, and stop wanting a different job, start working at the job you've got. Start waiting, stop waiting for another opportunity to serve and start serving where you are. Go all in where you are because God has created you with a purpose. In the very beginning of time, he says your purpose is to produce Go forth and multiply. Your story impacts somebody else's story.
here, here's the beautiful thing. She goes into the, to the king. She's not been asked to come. She walks in and he extends her the opportunity to speak to him. And she shares with him, and I don't have time to go through the whole story, but she ends up telling him that Haman is trying to kill her. And so the king says, no, that's not happening. And long story short, Haman ends up dying on the same gallows that he created for Mordecai to be put on. What's amazing is when you read the book of Esther, not one time is God mentioned. A book in the Bible that doesn't even mention God one time. And here's why. Because his story was written in Esther's story, in Mordecai's story. And when they did their part, God did his part. See, so many times we're waiting for God to show up in some miraculous way, and he's just looking at you going, I already did the miraculous in you. You are my miracle. I'm just waiting for you to step up. I'm just waiting for you to risk it. See, when you risk your story, your story is perfected. When you risk your story, story is perfected. This is the amazing thing. So Esther, Esther's name literally means star. She became a star when she allowed God to use her where she was. In her brokenness that was both her choosing and the brokenness that was caused to her. See, this morning, you can sit here and go, I'm broken. I'm not ready to be used. And the truth is, is that when you allow your story to be used by God, your story becomes perfected. Mordecai, in the end of the verse, says that he, uh, end of the, the, the book, it says that he was the Jew that became the prime minister with authority next to the king Xerxes himself. He was very great among the Jews who held him in a high esteem because he continued to work for the good of his people and to speak up for the welfare of all their descendants. See, his story was so interweaved with everybody else's that God perfected his story. It's cool that Esther risked her story for the sake of others. It's a perfect example of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ risked his story. He gave up his story for your story. He gave up his life so that you could have life and life more abundantly. And the opportunity for us this morning is as we reflect on who Jesus is and that he died for our sins on that cross. And it wasn't just so you could get to heaven. It was so that your story would impact other stories. And it's our opportunity to go all in. So I want to give you an opportunity right now to say, Jesus, thank you. We, we do this by giving our lives to Jesus Christ and the Bible calls it repentance, and I want to give you that opportunity right now. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you will, I just want to pray this prayer. It's a, it's a simple prayer. It's a prayer of commitment. It isn't the only prayer you need to pray and have. It's not the only conversation you need to have with God. He's going to deal with some things in your life. But right now, this is the most important one. 
is that you give your life to Jesus Christ. For some of you, this is the first opportunity that you've had and you're saying, Jesus, I'm giving you my life, turning it to you. For some of you, it's, it's a renewal moment. It's going to be 7-7-19. This date today is going to be the day you're going to look back and you're like, that's the day that I gave everything to Jesus. And my story is perfected because of it. So Lord Jesus, today we turn to you. You gave your life for us. Today we give our lives to you. Take our story. Perfect our story. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.